0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back on the Macro Compass. This is Alf speaking. The title of this week's article is The Moment of Truth for Markets. Global markets are at important crossroads here. Central bankers around the world are showing an ever-increasing commitment to fight inflation. We have heard the Jackson Hole speech by Powell. It's being now fully digested by bond markets and also by risk assets. And we have had an upside surprise in core inflation in Europe as well and that has sparked a debate about a 75 basis point hike by the ECB next week and inverted European yield curves. At the same time, we're having more geopolitical developments complicating the picture. For instance, China has locked in Chengdu, which is a 21 million people city. This will further pressure supply chains and hit global demand. Basically, the hit in the kitchen is increasing fast, and I'll try to answer the question whether markets can stand it. Now, to do that, we need to first deep dive into the European and US fixed income market reaction, so the latest macro developments. And after that, we'll reflect on portfolio locations going forward. So the first thing I wanna say is that understanding what bond markets are pricing across the many dimensions they have is not useful because they tell us what's going to happen. The predictive abilities of bond markets is imperfect, of course. Basically, think about it. a year ago, Fixed-income markets were expecting the Fed to hike by 25 basis points in 2022, just 25. And instead, we are only eight months in, in 2022. They have already delivered 225 basis point worth of hikes, and another 100 plus are highly likely. So understanding what the bond market is pricing in, it's not an exercise of prediction, but it's it's a useful exercise because the bond market is the biggest and most liquid building block of of the global markets pyramid. Now, understanding its multi-dimensional signals is important because it helps understand where consensus lies. Now, let's start from the European market. Um, We're gonna discuss a couple of points, so just stick with me. First is that the drivers behind the European and US inflationary pressures are different indeed. Only about 15 to 20% of the pickup in European inflation is coming from aggregate demand, the rest is energy and supply bottlenecks. So I get a lot of questions, uh, for instance, like, should the ECB just hammer inflation down wherever it comes from and aggressively hike rates, even though most of the inflation is not coming from demand, but it's coming from energy and supply bottlenecks? Well, the key word here is should. Rather than what the ECB should do, it's about what the ECB has to do right now. The momentum of European core services CPI, this is the sticky stuff, is at the highest level in 25 years. There is no time for nuances anymore at the ECB. Regaining credibility is all that matters here. So yes, the drivers behind inflationary pressures have been mostly supply energy driven so far, but inflation has been broadening a bit to core services prices and the momentum especially isn't slowing down. So it's not about what what the ECB should do, it's about what the ECB has to do. The other uh, important point about European bond markets is that uh, real yields are showing indisputable evidence that the European bond markets are getting the memo. Uh, before the Great Financial Crisis and the European Debt Crisis, European real yields basically always traded in positive territory. There was no debt, decent demographics back then. But after the Great Financial Crisis and the European Debt Crisis, European real yields found a new equilibrium in negative territory Basically, from 2014 to 2022, they always traded between 0 and minus 2%. But now, for the first time in almost a decade, they went back to positive territory as well. And this is quite a change of scenery for over-indebted, low-quality European borrowers, which have enjoyed very friendly inflation-adjusted borrowing costs for years. Now the party is over with European risk-free real yields in positive territory. We have to overlay credit spreads on top of those. They're widening too. The other point is, now that markets are taking the ECB more seriously about what they have to do, not do what they should do, this is getting reflected in the European yield curves too. So the 5.30s European OIS swap curve has inverted for the first time since 2008. And as a reminder, the overnight index swap curve, the OIS curve, is a curve that solely reflects market expectations for the future path of the ECB rate, nothing else, just the ECB rate. That curve has inverted between 5-year and 30-year because as ECB hikes are now more seriously priced in all the way up to a terminal rate of 2% nominal yields in Europe, which haven't been seen for more than a decade, markets expect that this will compound the downside pressure on economic growth, and then they start reflecting that by an inverted yield curve similar to what's happening in the US, and I believe this trend will intensify. Last word, on European bond market on Italy everybody's looking at BTP boom spreads. They are trading pretty wide in the 230 basis point area, but I think there is a corner of the market which is very interesting, which is the CDS spread market, credit default swaps. And actually they're reflecting a bit more concern about the Italian Lira re-denomination risks. There are two CDS contracts, one from 2014, one from 2003, and the old one from 2003 does not reflect or does not protect against re-denomination risk, because back then, it wasn't considered a material uh, risk, basically, when the euro was introduced. The new contract in 2014 actually does reflect re-denomination risk. So by comparing the two CDS contracts, the new and old one, you can get a proxy for what is the re-denomination risk being priced in. And right now, we are basically at 75% all the way up to pricing in the redenomination risk which is as high as the 2018 when um the new government in italy was very 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 openly against europe the new prime minister has taken during their career quite a loud anti-european stance so markets are also paying attention to that phenomenon now jumping back to the u.s bond markets guys i think powell will be pleased with the bond market behavior because one thing has definitely changed and it will make him happy. US real yields now trade in positive territory across the curve. This is something the Fed, have, the Fed members have clearly expressed preference for in recent months. And it's important because it means that markets are understanding and transmitting a tighter Federal Reserve stance to real economy borrowers across the curve. Credit and leverage is not cheap anymore. And if you can't stand the heat, you should get out of the kitchen. Now, something else the Fed is very keen on conveying a message about is that the hurdle to cut rates in 2023 is very, very high. Now, here markets have been pricing that in, but they're a bit more reluctant to fully embrace this base case. After all, five quarters all the way to December 2023 of challenging economic conditions are quite a long time to go. The Fed controls the very short end of the yield curve, but you know, five quarters is, isn't a very short time in this macro cycle. This is reflected by looking at the market implied probability of having Fed funds rate by December 2023 at 4% or higher. And this market implied probability that I calculate is now at 32%. So it's been going up a bit, but it's definitely not yet the market's base case. The most important macro question, though, that is embedded in US bond market pricing and to answer right now is let's assume that bond markets are right and over the next 18 months, inflation will move down to 3%, Fed funds will be in the 3.5% area as priced today. The question is, will the Fed be okay with the new regime of inflation in the 3% plus area? I really don't think so, because the first step to regain credibility as a central banker is to actually achieve your targets, not just to move this goalpost at your convenience because you can't manage to achieve your targets. So, guys, in short, before we jump to portfolio implications, the European bond markets really now understand that the ECB has no room for nuances anymore. They have to intervene, they have to regain credibility on the price stability mandate. This means that the real yields will have to increase and credit spreads will have to widen and stay wide. And this is much beyond what the over indebted European borrowers can afford especially as the economy keeps weakening, also for idiosyncratic reasons like the energy problem. U.S. bond markets have gotten the Jackson Hole memo. They're now almost fully pricing what the Federal Reserve wants them to price in, positive real uh, yields across the curve, and basically almost no cuts throughout 2023. Now, from here onwards, as the Fed basically pins front-end bond yields as they want them to be at a certain point, economic data will drive the long end and the shape of the yield curve. Now, said that, let's sum up what this means for portfolio and asset allocations. This is the most challenging environment for investors across asset classes. Overlooking macro indicators are sinking. Central banks are forced to aggressively tighten monetary policy. They will send real yields higher, not because real economic growth is stronger, but because they need to regain credibility on the price stability mandate. Risk assets are obviously the most exposed asset class right here, but in general, all asset classes generally struggle in this kind of environment. Now, real yields may increase rapidly in the absence of strong economic growth. Equity valuations and risk asset valuations have to be accordingly downgraded. Now, I would argue that at this point in the macro cycle, The risk premium embedded in risk assets should at least expand to what we have seen during the sell-off of 2015, 2016, and the fourth quarter of 2018. And we aren't there. If I look at the S&P 500 risk premium, the math is pretty simple. Even if I assume that forward earnings are correct, and I have my serious doubts, they are, I expect them to undershoot analyst expectations. Even assuming they are correct, with this level of real yields, that is likely to stick there as the Federal Reserve tries to implement tighter monetary policy for longer the S p 500 should trade at a 15 16 times forward PE that's roughly 36 to 3700 in the S p 500 now the sell-off we are seeing right now is bringing back uh you know it's basically uh, destroying the euphoria rally we have seen in July we are heading back to more reasonable levels I don't expect risk assets to do pretty well in this environment. Now, the long-term ETF and the tactical macro portfolio that I run this year have done pretty well, and this is generally due to the broad, defensive, and short stunts we have had since the beginning of the year. The macro schema in one is that while the first eight months of 2022 were about short everything long dollar cash, over the next seven to eight months, the stance might have to change to actually very short risk assets because the proper pain is coming, slowly accumulate some bonds, some gold maybe, we'll talk about that, and stay long dollar cash. All has to be done in a very conservative way, and the big picture remains very short risk assets, very long dollar cash. There might be opportunities to accumulate some assets over the next quarters. Now, the portfolios remain positioned very similar to last time. The long-term ETF portfolio with a one-year plus horizon is long dollar cash, Pretty big underweight in equities, especially cyclicals, but pretty big underweight overall. And I'm accumulating 10 year plus bonds. As you guys know, I bought some TLT and some long end European bonds. Now a little bit down the water, uh, underwater in terms of PNL target. But I'm looking for next TLT targets to add at around 107. Again, this needs to be a, a measured adding over time. The main theme remains short risk assets, very short risk assets long dollar cash let's start accumulating on at least what i'm doing on the tactical portfolio side uh, nothing has changed short euro against the dollar short the russell 2000 both trades are working pretty well and then short two currencies which can be exposed to high um, leverage and uh, very frothy real estate markets like the canadian dollar and the australian dollar against long uh, japanese yen this is it for today guys thanks for listening in general, if you're interested in any kind of partnership, you want me at conferences, media appearances, podcasts, sponsorships, just reach out at themacrocompass at gmail.com. And uh, finally, if I may ask you to be so kind and share this article around so that you can spread the word a bit more about the Macro Compass, it would really make my day. I will uh, talk to you guys next week.